to the Golf Barons podcast, Tenuous Links, a golf pun we're not only incredibly proud of, but one we're also sure to emulate. Let us careen through bloviated opinions on all things golf, some outrageous innovation ideas to speed up the game, a few laughs, and an historical retelling of an iconic golf moment. Time to add some swagger to your swing. Welcome, Barons. Today's Tenuous Links podcast is brought to you by our new show, Golf Barons Season 1, where swing meets swagger. It's finally here, and we're giving you full access to the whole 12-series-length episodes for free for a limited time. Jump on to baronslife.com and sign up to see all the hilarity and hijinks of Golf Barons Season 1. Phil, it's good to have you again, buddy. And Davman is in today for today's episode. Thank you. Good to be here. Excellent, boys. Now, with this, let's uh, not muck around here. We are a long way apart. That's it. I was going to say, with the social distancing required these days, we're uh, we're making sure that we're being responsible, boys. And we've got uh, we've got Philbert over uh, over his way, and we've got Dav a long way over his way, all online. And we're hoping that this thing works out all right. <laughs> and I'm we're relying on uh, we're relying on on uh, the government's NBN, so uh, anything could happen. It could be a few dropouts and those sort of things, but let's get straight into it, boys. We're going to, as we usually do, we're going to get get our hates up front, and let's be honest, there are there's a lot to hate this week. Phil, I'm going to start with you. What's got your goat? Thanks, Damo. Mine is being completely ill-equipped to practice at home pending golf course ban, but not only that, it's also the jealousy of people who are very well-equipped to practice at home that I'm hating, such as someone who, you know how I like to use pseudonyms for my emailers and callers. Yes. We'll call this person Sammy. Okay, so not Aaron? No. <laughs> no, but imagine being equipped well enough that you had a practice putting green in your backyard oh, wow. that enabled you to continue to work on your short gun, particularly when it's as disastrous as it is. I need a practice golf course in my backyard, but really I needed a net I needed a mat. I needed someone to tell me that someone was going to be a bat and I'd be a one. I'm not sure that you hit the ball far enough to worry about a net, though, Phil. You could take a full swing in your backyard. It is eight metres long, don't I? So maybe seven iron up. <laughs> you just might make it. Davman, I know that you've uh, you've got a couple of things that you hate this week, but in particular, armchair experts. Yeah, look, not just armchair experts, but, but people who love to offer a bit of coaching and advice about four seconds after they've learnt about that thing, you know? Like I think the current climate we're in and just coming out of the bushfire season, people tend to be confused, read a couple of articles, decide they're experts and start offering just loads and layers of advice. And my advice to them is maybe just hang back a little, watch some things unfold, watch some things play out and perhaps you'll learn that uh, the advice that you're offering probably not that valuable to your community at all. It's like people who this is often you see this around science type things as well. You see people they read it read an article or they read a couple of things and they think they they know the full science behind it and they act like they're uh, they're astrophysicists. <laughs> is that sort of where you I just don't understand the urge to comment and share. I, I don't understand the urge to say, well I know enough about this now because I've read 247 words on the on the subject. So let me impart some of my newfound wisdom to my social community and I wish I had that sort of confidence, I'll be honest. Now that's a that's a fair hate. Well, it's Dave. funny you say that, Dev. Sorry, Damo, but it's funny you say that, Dev, because I read, being an expert at reading took me about four pages, that I'd done good reading. 
But there was a drug that they were treating COVID-19 with or looking to treat it with both as defence and cure that was an anti-malarial drug. So immediately I jumped to my conclusion that, well, in that case, Indian tonic water seems to be okay to me and so does a bit of lemon. Get a bit of that quinine so into go us. out and get me a bottle of... <laughs> <laughs> bit of quinine, so I should go out and get myself a couple of bottles of gin and proceed to cure myself. It's for your health. And so it's far, for it's your doing health, very well. <laughs> Definitely. I love it, Nan. And so how, many, so how many thousands of litres did you purchase, Phil? What do you mean? Is there a quantity? I, I didn't get to page five, Dad. <laughs> well, well, the, the, my understanding is in this climate, uh, you get a little bit of information, you head to the supermarket and you clean them out of everything that they have. He uses gin bottles to wipe his. Anyway, we'll, we'll move on from there. Now that you've already mentioned the C word, Phil, this is absolutely my hate this week, this being stuck at home. I'm absolutely, it's just me. I'm, I'm already, I'm what, a couple, few days in, I've already got cabin fever. I'm going stir crazy. I mean, it doesn't help with the, the whole family and the kids are back here just uh, deciding to fight over every little thing. But you look outside, the weather's nice. I go, this is a perfect day to play golf. I was just starting to play some good golf too, Phil. You saw me saying it to finally find yeah, a bit of a groove and now we can't go. It is, I can't stand being stuck at home. I didn't realize, I quite, I'm, I'm usually quite a homebody, but the irony of it is now that I'm not allowed out, I really want to get out. You can go out. Uh, golf clubs just in their infinite wisdom, or certainly the toffee one that I'm a member of, decided that guests were not worthy. And so it was only they had members with COVID to worry about as opposed to guests with COVID to worry about. So I'd, golf is an essential activity. Mental health is critical. There's no better place to social distance than on a golf course, particularly yeah. when we are playing well, together. I mean, do we ever, are we ever near each other, Phil? <laughs> we say hello at the start and then I'll see you after 18. <laughs> Go our separate ways. <laughs> we haven't been with each other within two metres, even on a green, Damo. Because normally I've picked up by then, or you've picked up by then, one of us has stormed <laughs> exactly. off to our bag. That's like, it. we are we are the benchmark of how to play golf with social distancing. 100%. Uh, so it's a shame because I think golf, I think what one thing that is being lost in this whole debate is the mental health element of it. And the uh, and as I, I look at Dav on Skype with his gym in the background, but this idea of people needing to stay physically active and not be too far removed from their everyday whilst making sacrifices to remove themselves from their everyday. It is. It's, a, it's definitely and get out of the sunshine. Time. What's that, Dad? And the ability to just get out into the sunshine. You know, get get out the the, the quickster range net in the backyard in the sun and and hit a few balls into the net, Phil. Do it for your mental health. You're rubbing my hate in my face, Dev. Yeah, that's a, that's I'm a, not appreciating. <laughs> that has been a lot of hate. Let's find let's find a bit of love. I know it's a, it's a tricky time to find things that are getting us all excited. But Phil, I've written down. You've got down here something about the Polish. <laughs> the Polish. Thank you, Damo. That was very good of you. You know what's nice every now and again is to get a deluxe customer service experience. And we'll speak about this a little bit later in the podcast. But I, I do want to call out something that happened a few weeks ago, just prior to the, the lockdown, shutdown, whatever the hell we're calling it, the anti-golf league. <laughs> and that was playing a round of golf at Barwon Heads Golf. Oh, we like Barwon Heads. And it wasn't just the fact that golf... Yeah, like lot love. It should have been my love. Oh, hang on. It's is your love. So yes. I love Bowen Heads Golf Club. I love Bowen Heads Golf Club. But how's this? You go upstairs in the awesome little pro shop, the perfect pro shop, as I wave my hands around even though we're not in the same room. And, yes, I'll go in the comp. And one of the pros in the pro shop then takes your card off the printer and puts it in a Bowen Heads scorecard holder. And hands it back to you. And it's just these little polished things that it's like, this oh, is polish. how you baronesque your golf club. 
I thought you said Polish. You go, okay, I'm with you now, Phil. Oh, the Polish of, wow, pronunciation. But if you have more than 30 points, Damo, you actually go and get some Posky or Gorky. Yeah. You go and get a nice pickle. And so that's the- You're being a dill, Phil. <laughs> oh, nice by you. And if you play badly, you don't get a choice about where anyway. That's a good love. I like so that. So the Polish customer service experience, a, a deluxe customer service experience where you just get this little wow factor because you're already excited to be playing somewhere awesome mm-hmm. and then you get this little... And how, how long is it going to be till we can uh, get out there for another game, Phil? Because that's actually... That could almost be a dreaming. I think we're going to have to make it a dreaming and certainly, Dave, I can see you're salivating at the thought of playing bow and heads and being handed a scorecard holder that may or may not have been disinfected. But that's what we don't understand, Damo, is how long this is going to hang around. And as my kids quite rightly asked me the other day, so what's the end game? And I said, well, hopefully 18 holes, you know, followed by a beer in the clubhouse and you know, maybe a, a cheeky steak sandwich and a Bloody Mary. Yeah. Well, it's, this sort of trickles into my love as well, Phil, that I know we all, we are collectively, we are collectively all stuck, stuck at home and it means we've got a lot of time on our hands. And what do people tend to do when they've got a lot of time on their hands? They watch a fair bit of TV and that throws us into my love this week, Phil. It's a little bit self-indulgent for us, but I'm so, so glad that we have finally released our Golf Barons show, season one. The sense of accomplishment that we've got around this and the achievement, it's been a long time coming. We've We've had some ups and downs with it and having to, to get it to the stage that we wanted to. We're already halfway through season two, which is which is already – it's kind of funny. I already look at it a little bit like the club manufacturers where, you know, they release a club and they've already three quarters away working with their next club. So, they know that what's coming is already better. So, it's almost obsolete when it first comes out. I feel a little bit like that with our show in that I can see how season two is going to be just a step up even further. But um, – Really proud of um, of our whole team getting this thing out and, and the feedback's been really good thus far. And when you say show, Damien, and I don't want this to sound like a Dorothy Dix, but what do you mean Hello, show, Dorothy. Damien? What do you mean what do I mean show? Our golf show, our show that is is uh, all about, oh, what is it all about? It's We've got myths in there, we've got challenges in there, we've got journeys, but we do it in the golf baron's way, a bit of fun, a lot of fun. In fact, pretty much all fun. And how would I find this show, Damien? It's almost like you could find it if you went to baronslife.com and sign up there and get the uh, password for the whole season, first season, Phil. But I know that's a little bit self-indulgent, but there's a genuine sense of accomplishment there. Dave, man, a hell of a lot of work by you as well, mate, behind the um, behind the camera, directing us three Muppets, basically ignoring everything we say and saying, yeah, cool, now go over there. Um, and it turned out quite well. So all of us, I reckon, take, the, you know, offer the cap to ourselves in a little bit in, in a way, but um, more importantly, just no, really proud of it, boys, and it's a love. I definitely have that love this week. And look, a lot of good times, fellas, a lot of good times going out and and the genuine feeling that we were making something new, something fresh, something that hadn't been done before and always looking for new opportunities and new ways to tell stories on the golf course, stories that golfers want to see and hear, you know, think things that, that everyone often thinks about, ways to improve your game in, in unique ways and, as we always say, putting the laugh ahead of just about anything else, really. Always always go where the, uh, where the gag is, Dave. <laughs> Got us this far. <laughs> now, you had, did you have a love as well? Yeah, I, know- I love the irony. Sorry, I was just going to comment on that. I, I love the irony of you having gone from making a documentary about Chris Cormier, the international <laughs> bodybuilding superstar, 
to having to deal with me. And Dion. Potentially the skinniest person that I've ever met. Kip- uh, and I've got weight on Ds. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Kip is, <laughs> Kip is even more emaciated than you. But I think I, I think I average this out to a pretty normal size, boys. So um, all good. <laughs> I'm all about stretching the boundaries of storytelling, Phil. That's my uh, that's my game. That's my craft. I'll work with the, the biggest muscles and the longest legs if I have to. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment, Dave. I know that you've got down here. One of your loves is to do with the show as well, and just taking this this product to to market. Well, you know, once upon a time, you would make a show or you'd make a film or you'd make a piece of content and you'd hand it over and you would just trust that it was going to get looked after, it was going to get taken to an audience either on TV or some other way. In 2020, we have the option of managing the entire project from the first time we hit record on the camera to delivering it to our own audience, building that audience finding different ways to bring people into our community and entertain them and engage them. And I never thought that I'd love that side of it as much as I do, but I I really love the different platforms and the different ways that we can bring our product, something that we've worked so hard on and, and push it and give it the respect that it deserves and get the feedback directly from our audience and give them what they deserve. You know, that's, look, it's an exciting development in media and and I know you guys are, you know, well aware of that and thinking about those things all the time as well. So yeah, look, I love that component of it and and looking forward to doing more of it. Awesome. So people, if you are interested, get on to baronslife.com and uh, (laughs) check that out. Sorry, Phil, what were you saying? I said our bank managers are well aware of it, and not in a good way. <laughs> they will be. They will be. Now, Phil, <laughs> let's move. Let's move on to game changers. I know you had you. You've been watching Blade Runner a bit lately. I love Rutger Hauer as much as the next man, Domo. You, um, you do love a lot of men. And yeah. So my game changer. <laughs> oh, well, I to my social distancing. One bat. So I have a new. I have a new theory social distancing, there should also be a thing called golf club distancing. So just as in social distancing, I should not be within a lab two metres or 25 kilometres of my two brethren that I'm on this uh, podcast with, just as there should be golf club distancing, I should not be allowed within two metres of a set of blades ever for the rest of my life. Oh, no, don't say that, Phil. You know I'm a lover of blades. I've been trying to get you to play with them for a while now. Well, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago my DG273s. My diaries and Graham's. the back story behind the DG273 and the fact that Tiger Woods used them as an amateur and all the rest of it. And I mentioned it. In fact, a mate of mine who will go nameless because I named him in the last podcast, he said, I'd like to see those blades because I think deep down he wasn't sure that I actually owned a set. And I was lucky enough to go out and play golf with him at my golf club and I took them down. I hit 15 balls on the range before we hit off. And I now know what it would be like to feel like you're a beginner again. Oh, no. What? So you're a bit scratchy. And, and uh, well, it's just the pain. And, and what I didn't remember as fondly was the pain of the mishit shot. What the clubs don't tell you is that every shot is actually mishit. Yes, but the, the ones that you do get, the, the two or three around, <laughs> when you get that blade out of the middle, is there, any, is there a better feeling in golf? Yes, punching myself in the face. Okay. <laughs> I'll have to try it. <laughs> they were they were just so far beyond me. So the last time I used these things were in 1997. So uh, I'm not very good at maths, but let's call it roughly 
two month, years and nine months ago. The very first time I used these, I remember at the trial event, I actually took, as a brand new set, I remember the eighth hole at the a little dog leg to the left, and I managed to snap hook, funnily enough, my drive in under a willow tree. Something different. And I thought, I'm just going to chip out with, I'm just going to chip out with a four iron, uh, and then hit the ball, ding, and look down at the four iron in my very first ever round with something I'd worked hard for and found a little chip. And I was reminded of that chip because apparently if you don't dry them properly over 23 years and you pull them out of the back of a garage, they tend to have changed a little in their complexion and they have more pock marks than Ray Liotta. And (laughs) (laughs) But boy, was it, it was a real joy. I am going to use them again. It was an absolute joy. I'm not giving up on this blade thing just to change things up again. So my game changer is changing your game up every and again, not by necessarily changing the tee or changing your attitude, but literally changing your equipment and allowing yourself to go back to the future. And it was a, it was an absolute joy. Uh, brilliant, brilliant. I've I've got a game changer this week. It is a little bit different, kind of putting a positive spin on a pretty negative thing. So the COVID-19 virus, that's the novel coronavirus that's caused us all to be stuck at home. I actually think this gives golf clubs a real opportunity to reset to get them to to work out more of a sustainability uh, a sustainability model that works better for them get them sharpening up their customer service which we we talked about Phil that you know it's been lacking in a lot of areas at some of the better cl- uh, clubs as well they've got a an opportunity there's an opportunity here for clubs to start working together with other clubs rather than just seeing each other as solely competitors, but actually sort of resetting the whole mindset of this industry. I think I think this we can learn from this pandemic. Like just how vulnerable the industry can be, or more to the point, how vulnerable individual clubs can be without sort of that that collective working together. The customer service malaise sitting on our ass and expecting it all to be delivered to us. And it's a great opportunity for them to change and to wow to get to sit down as a management team while there's nobody around in the clubhouse. And I took a photo of, of the clubhouse at the National Golf Club the other day where it is completely empty other than the nightclub, right, because apparently they're opening a new nightclub there. And the idea of what do we need to do to both wow our customers but to become elite if elite's your thing or to become groundbreaking if you want to be an innovative club. But this is a great chance to sit back and take stock and kick everyone up the ass and say, okay, when we open again, let's wow. What are we doing today to wow our customers? It's it's sales marketing 101. And I, Damo, I couldn't agree more. Well, remember, <laughs> just go back to remembering what it's like to be a customer themselves. Take themselves back to going, what would I like if I'm in those shoes? Some seems that too many have been in been in the um, industry doing the same thing for far too long. They've lost that passion. And I know that can happen in any job. Um, I understand that. But golf's a passionate sport filled with people who are passionate about it so why not why not just maybe just rewind a little bit back and see what it is that they love about the game or why they why they wanted to be in it in the first place and give that experience because then it's that whole that whole butterfly effect feel that you talk about you just get that right and it'll just it'll go throughout the whole industry and before we know it we won't be as vulnerable as it um as it can be and Dave, you've seen this in the gym industry as I gaze upon all your weights in the background. But you've seen, and we spoke about a guy by the name of Graham Lansfield who was very cutting edge in in delivering a gym product at the time that was delivering and wowing customers every day. Yes, and and you see the way the industry has evolved and changed and how some people have been left behind and some people have broken off and you see these you know it's it's quite interesting 
to have worked within the, the fitness industry that it's almost as big as it's ever been and yet no one can really put a finger on what it is or what the community is. So I think in many ways the fitness industry is strong, but it's also vulnerable. <laughs> but, you know, you, you've got these other offshoots of that. You've got, you know, your F45 gyms and your, your kind of boutique group training type of type of gyms that you sort of look in the window and you go, what are, what are these people even offering? You know, and then something like coronavirus comes along and changes changes the game again. You know, gyms gyms have been shut down. There's people trying to do, you know, online training and bodybuilders looking for home gyms because they've been <laughs> kicked out on the street, you know. So I don't really know how that relates to your initial point, Phil. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think in, in some ways you can try and reinvent the wheel and and go too far away from what is your core as well as, you know, there's got to be... I guess a a level of genuineness about this about your desire to bring people into a community and engage them and wow them not just for wow's sake I suppose. Yeah, it starts with a, it starts with the why why are we here. But I think that the point was is that evolution of of gyms, the evolution of golf clubs has had to happen. And you know the old was the, the the Ford quote of you know there's no necess- no necessity to change. Survival is not compulsory. You know, so you don't true hmm. change for change's sake is no good. But if you're offering, if you sit back and you say, you know what, what we've been doing, li- literally we've just been walking or trudging our way through life, is that what we're happy to settle for? Bugger that, let's change it up. And there's going to be plenty of golf clubs, and I can tell you, using the Bowen Heads example, is that I couldn't fault anything from arrival to departure that, that they did as a golf club. Internally, and that's as a, as a guest, internally they may have some gaps. One of them that that. Funnily enough, even though I said I didn't really see anything, I did identify is that they don't have a club specific drink. They make a hell of a steak sandwich, but they don't have a club drink. We'll definitely get onto that, Phil. <laughs> but first, first before we do, I want to get onto your um, onto your gear effect for this week. You've got to know when to hold them, Damo, and you've got to know when to fold them. Oh, now, uh, so long, Kenny. We, we lost Kenny. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Kenny. In fact, thanks just for that line because otherwise, I'm stuffed as a lead into this topic. <laughs> My question from a gear effect point of view is what does 2020 offer and will we turn our back on some of the great product of all time, you know, whether it be the Adidas's Code Chaos shoes, the Ping Hepler putters, will it be, you know, Mizuno's new driver or what they're planning on launching at the end of the year? Because to your point, Damo, they're always working on the next range. So does a company say, you know what, we never gave these things an opportunity thanks to the bats? Um, or whatever it was, depending on what school you go to and whatever the science teacher told your son. But we, we, we don't know whether a company will hold these products and they become the 2021 products or whether they just go, you know what, timing was a bit crap and we, and we dodged a bullet. But won't they, they be for- say- won't they be forced to, Phil? Won't they be forced to delay it? I mean, they're going to lose – it looks like they're going to lose at least six months. Aren't they going to be forced to hold it over for the following year? If you think about it from a timeline point of view, they, they call end of life between October and November for the new ranges coming out in Jan and Feb. So literally they're going to have six weeks potentially of full price or reshipping stock. So really it comes down to what commitments they'd made to the, the factories and whether or not they'd actually been able to meet those commitments. Because if they had, it would be very easy. They've already got 2021 products ready to go. And to your point, they're already working on 2023 and 2025. 
So it would be very easy for them to fold them. And if you've seen the share price on a couple of the golf companies, the market is saying, we're a little bit nervous about you being able to dig your way out of this. And I think that's probably a bigger issue, but I think they'll fold them. I think that, I think 2020 might be the year where some outstanding product just never had a chance to get going. I'd, I'd love it if they did hold it off, Phil. It would give um, Golf Baron Season 2 a little bit of leeway with uh, keeping products relevant. <laughs> <laughs> the request has been put in, Damo, I can assure you. Excellent. <laughs> Outstanding. Now, my gear effect is not nearly as, as poignant as yours, Phil. It's a very simple one, but it's more that something that's been validated and I'm 100% certain within myself now that I hate having the flag in when we're putting. Done. To gear effect, Not just now. No more. Yep. Yeah, no, because I've I've noticed that the last couple of rounds we've had with all the with all this again the the coronavirus. No one wants to touch the flag, so we've said, all right, uh, we'll, we'll we'll give it a go with it in, and it's just not golf. I'm sorry. I know I'm a bit old school like that, but it's not golf. I can't stand it. It's um, I, I find it antisocial. Does that sound? Is that strange? I find it a really antisocial thing. Yes. Cool. <laughs> You've been most helpful. <laughs> <laughs> The, oh. the flag in thing, Damo, and yes, there's been, and we've probably spoken too much about We're it on the same page with this, Phil, the, so don't pretend we're not. <laughs> no, I, I won't pretend we're not. But one thing that was interesting the other day was playing not only with the flag in, but with this little foam cup I hold it oh, up. Oh, yeah, with. to keep the ball up. Um, because it, oh, yeah. Yeah, to, so that your hand didn't go too far into the hole, so your hand didn't touch the flag. Well, it wouldn't be a problem if the flag wasn't there in the first place. There's just a big open hole. Hello, Blue Barons. Phil, Baroness Behaviours, it hasn't really been a week for much, has it? <laughs> We've all been stuck at home trying to think hey, of no, something to do. Do you know what the most Baroness Behaviours we're actually starting to see is is probably the social or the societal element where people are getting together saying, you know what, if you've got an elderly neighbour, how about you go and knock on their door and ask them if they need anything as opposed to getting them exposed to other things? It, it might be that it's just triggered a bit of that feel-good Neighbourhood watch, not for Definitely. dirty, thinking, stinking thieves that like to steal equipment from my folks' joint, but neighbourhood watch in terms of looking out from a community point of view and seeing what's going on and what we can help with. And do you need any toilet paper? Baroness behaviour, do you need a roll of toilet paper? Because I'll chip it over the fence with my seven heart. <laughs> I've got three cracks at it. <laughs> Just to get it there. Philbert. There were only two two at home at the time. We've one thing it has given us this time to ourselves has given has given us is a lot of time for reflection from our recent trip down to King Island. And I know that um, when I sort of get into golf tipples, obviously we can't make one to, uh, make a drink today. All being, I mean, we say that I'm sitting here with a with an Irish coffee, but that's just that's a that's a problem I'm working through. But Phil, you've got some golf tipples you wanted to um, talk about. My problem, Damo, is that I don't know how to make cocktails. And all I do is know how to make up names. And following our trip to King Island that unfortunately Dev wasn't able to join us because he wasn't invited. Makes it tricky. (laughs) Does make it tricky. I thought, here's two golf courses down on beautiful King Island that at a minimum could kick things off with a drink. And one of them, just because it's a a really crap name and I'm not looking for a vote or a viewer or listener vote, but at Cape Wickham, if there was a Wickham welcome, because you knew it was going to be a cold, windy potentially rainy day, everyone had to have a Wickham welcome, which is actually likely just to be a dram. I was going to, it has um, to be whiskey. It has to be a whiskey-based drink, Phil. With that, that set up, that weather, 100% has to be a little a little chest warmer. It does, and I think maybe a southerly buster but or something down that angle would work for the Wickham welcome. Not that I'm telling them how to suck eggs. And as I say, I'm not a barista. Ah, ah. Soul. I have no soul. 
Uh, Ocean Dunes, Damo, because this is this is genius. This is not quite my Golf Baron's Uber ratings. Lost balls. Lost balls. Because that joint steals stuff from us every time we hit off and it doesn't give anything back. So the Lost Balls cocktail at Ocean Dunes, in memory or in uh, in recognition of that, is going to be alcohol-free. Oh, well, I wouldn't be having any of those. That's like, nah, you can keep your missing nurries, Phil. I'll have a different drink. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Uh, and then in honour, I was talking to a very fine associate who plays up at Bonnie Doon in Sydney, and immediately in my head we're talking about the Bonnie Burger and the desperation that we both have for them to launch the Bonnie Burger. Up and Doon. There's going to be an up and Doon, I'm telling you. It just has to be, and I don't care what's in it. But that's all I've really got for golf tipples. But I promise you that when we get back together, we are going to get shizened uh, because yeah. we have got to play Langed. <laughs> you know, you know what, Phil? Sorry, while while we're while you're on um, on tipples and sort of just uh, baronesque behaviours. One thing I didn't mention last week, we did talk about the Uber ratings uh, number five. We've got a we've got a five star recipient, Dan the man, Dan and I oh, when, Dan. We, when we played. Dan, what, what hole was it? After we scored that eagle, we may may have mentioned it before we got on the next uh, the next hole. He pulled out a, a little wee drum and we had a we had a little bit of Jamison whiskey just to warm the cockles of our hearts and um went on to well we didn't win i don't think but we ended up playing a lot <laughs> a lot more we, we played had a lot more enjoyable round after that so that was a little bit of baronesque behavior just having a, a wee dram explains the cough because didn't you both share the same little fold-up cup that goes in the side of his whiskey flask are you suggesting we cuddled that's that's a bit painful phil he's a good man well, you're he's, a really, he's a very good man <laughs> Anyway, enough of your wick and welcome. We're going to move on to crystal balling. I predict this is going to be crap. What have you got? Dev, have you got anything to save us here or is it still me? <laughs> the floor is yours, Phil. Golf golf will be anointed. So there's two. I've got two crystal balls. So golf will be anointed. As the <laughs> Sorry. Ultimate you should make a t-shirt sport. out of you should make a t-shirt out of that. I have two crystal balls. <laughs> 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 it's funny you say that, Damo, because I'm getting to some T-shirts printed up at the moment that on the front of it just says, it takes one bat. <laughs> and is that replaced with, uh, it takes one pangolin? <laughs> anyway, pangolin. That, that's right. So the first one is the ultimate social distancing sport. So in light of what we are talking about earlier is that golf needs to be continue to be played because it can be, it's outdoor, it's sunny, there's mental health elements and all the rest of it, and the government say, hands off, Self-social isolation, complete isolation, unless you're going to and from the golf course, in which case don't get out of the car from the time you leave the house to the golf course, but otherwise away you go. So social distancing 101, golf companies, government, listen here, government, il government, leave it alone. How bad was that? (laughs) Hand sanitizer at every tee. The corona embargo, the corona embargo. Mm-hmm. And that is not an embargo on drinking that crot, uh, uh, del- delicious beverage. Ugh, is lifted horrible. the week before the Ryder Cup. You think they? So you think the Ryder Cup will go ahead? This Trump is the first. This is, is the going first to time, ensure this goes ahead. This is the first time we've had a conflicting crystal ball here, Phil. Because I predicted that uh, the Ryder Cup would be cancelled or postponed. So this is conflicting good. Conflicting balls. This is good. This is a one of us will be Nostradamus. See, one of us will be right here. This is this is actually quite good by you. There is no chance in the world this event is not going ahead. They've already mm-hmm. had to delay it once thanks to some people who couldn't fly planes straight. And they will ensure, Donald Trump is going to ensure that the Ryder Cup goes ahead. He told me. Oh, did he? Okay, cool. Well, we'll find out, Phil, but I'm, uh, I'm not <laughs> confident of that one. So that's, a, that's an interesting crystal. Well, were there any, uh, anything else that we had that came true? I don't think. <laughs> Unlikely. 
Yeah, it's it's not. Uh, <laughs> Dave, have you got any any predictions? Just about anything, quite frankly. I mean, Phil's, Phil's <laughs> yeah, he's got such a uh, such a high level <laughs> to follow. So, what is there anything that uh, jumps out to you? What do I predict? I think that as much as I am self isolating right now and bunkering down, I think that science will win the day, and I think we will find a very effective treatment within the next two months. And I think life will return to normal within four. That'll have you and Phil both celebrating a prediction there because there are a couple of you flying then. I know. I've already found the solution. I'm not sure what's wrong with you people. Gin. Gin and tonic. Gin. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, you're not going to get an argument out of me with that. That would be oh, – I'm already dreaming of the next gin when, once I can get it oh. restocked. And, and speaking of dreaming, Phil, I'm going to kick things <laughs> off. I know last week we didn't roll the dice after, after the epic dreaming that did roll into golf tipples, by the way. Thank you very much. Mr. We put the keys in the hat, though. So we didn't, we didn't actually give each other a, a letter or anything like that. But what we did do is we, we went away and said, no, no, what is something that you actually would love to, love to do? Where, where are you dreaming of going to? And I've, I had a long think about this. I've been thinking about the social distancing aspect of it as well, Phil. And that's why I'm taking you boys to Banff Springs Golf Club over in Alberta, Canada. Canadian Rockies, spectacular part of the world. You've got towering pine framed holes. This is a this is just a dream course to go to. Speak to anyone who's been there, and they'll tell you that it's it's a pretty special place. It was pushed, you know, expanded into a, into an eighteen hole course by Donald Ross, Phil, who you'll be you'll know plenty about. Yeah, but it was actually the, the it was actually it was actually uh, Canada's uh, the famous Can- Canadian architect Stanley Thompson who has created the, created the way that it plays out today and. And um, at the time, Phil, you this is a little. This could almost be leading into your history. Back when it was when it was unveiled in 1928, the Banff Springs Golf Course was actually the most the most expensive course ever built. So um, there's a little bit of little bit of uh, knowledge for you, Phil. Just throwing that down. But here's where we're staying. We're staying at the Fairmont Banff Springs, and this is a gorgeous old, good choice, decadent, grand hotel. This is old school grandeur, magnificent. Wait till you find out what we're eating, lads. Dav, you'll be right down this. Uh, this will be right up your alley, I should say. We're going to eat beer. bat. We're going to. Yeah, there's no bats here. Don't worry. And the pangolins are tied up out back. <laughs> but we're eating at the 1888 Chop House. And guess what we're having, lads? <laughs> guess what you, you would, Phil. This is, there's going to be a word here that you didn't think you were going to hear today. We're going to have braised Canadian range hood bison ribs. And we're going to have that with creamy polenta. No, I expected that. With creamy polenta, some bourbon caramelized onions, and some black truffles. That is a magnificent meal. And then I thought, what's more important than a meal, Phil, as I always do? The drink. But there's, there's two drinks. There's two drinks here. And I know which one I'd go for, but I also know which one Phil would go for. So, the one that I think Phil would have gone for would be the, the honey mule, which is a vodka with ginger puree, some honey ginger syrup. Lime juice, and it, they top it up with a bit of uh, soda water, a bit of fever tree soda water, if you don't mind, Philip. But the one that- uh, Named after honey mustard. <laughs> yeah, very good. But Davin and I, because we're real men, we're going to have the- <laughs> We're going to have an exo Manhattan with a- We're going to kill our own bison? bison? With a cu- <laughs> Yeah, that's it. I'll carry it back. With a, with a Cuban <laughs> dev, we'll sneak out the back and we'll get ourselves a couple of Exo Manhattans. And we're talking Exo Cognac with some um, Cinzano, some Angostura bitters, so some bitters in there, and just topped with a cherry, that old school Manhattan. Mag- 
magnificent. And Phil, anything this this course does close for a portion of the year. But the great news, and you'll love this because you're big into this, is it's some of the finest skiing you'll ever do up in the Canadian Rockies. So there you go, Phil. That's my dreaming. We are going to Banff Springs in Alberta, Canada. One, I'll tell you, it's a very nice golf course. Secondly, I'll tell you, it's a very, very nice hotel. Have you been there? Uh, because I, I have. I got uh, as a young man, I was oh, able to um, drive a car from Montreal all the way to Vancouver, and I managed to drive past both the golf course and the Fairmont Hotel and be denied access to either of them because I was dressed like a complete scumbag. <laughs> was invited to go to the local youth hostel uh, that I couldn't get a bed in because the car park was full of Mercedes and BMWs. So apparently the youth do it a bit tough. And your, legs, and your legs wouldn't have fit in, in one of those beds, would have been hanging out the side. So proceeded on to Whistler and managed to be invited to sleep in the back of my car next to Lake Louise. So I, I can tell you that your choice was outstanding. I've been charged at by a bison. I <laughs> had some honey. Did it just think you were a tree? <laughs> a very thin one. Pine. A lot I've of never been there. very popular. No oh dear. Hey, I've never been very popular. Yeah, no, no, we got it. Yeah, that's good, Dave, isn't it? (laughs) So, Dave, that sounds like a good place to go. (laughs) And the tourist. I think uh, dress dress code is essential. Dave, this has been some of your worst podcast work. You should have got the pump up (laughs) when we said, oh, we'll have to get Dave on. He's going to be awesome. Instead, all you're doing is thinking about pick decks. Is that it? No. Well, I, I think there might have been maybe a little jealousy, Phil, after the last podcast, and you've you've constructed an episode which I have zero <laughs> input in whatsoever. <laughs> well, I Phil. think we've done well. Mission accomplished, Damo. Phil, you're a dreamer. Come on, what have you got? What are you dreaming about, Phil? I've I thought I've done pretty well, and you've given me a pump up, so that's unlike you. This cabin fever must be getting to you. But have you got somewhere that you want to, that we can all dream about while we're stuck at home? This is one that actually came about, and it's very became topical because of this current situation. I'm not sure what's going on in the world, but someone coughed and did something to a bat, and away we go. But I read about the plot I read about the plot of a very, very esteemed and special golf course in northern Scotland, north of Dornoch or northeast of Dornoch, called Brora Golf Club. And effectively Brora Golf Club so this is part dreaming and part history lesson. So here we go. We're playing at Brora Golf Club, what we're going to drink, Scotch, what we're going to eat is something that they eat. Uh, probably Haggis. Haggis. And then we're going to go up to the Giants Causeway, uh, which is nowhere near there, and no, so we're not going to go there. You're in Ireland now. Um, Where are you going? No, I know. I was thinking about Jono. What's the – anyway, it doesn't matter. So Brora Golf Club in northern Scotland, designed by a guy called James Braid. Yeah, yeah, Brady. Five-time Open champion. In fact, he was the first five-time Open champion. So this is a little bit – as I say, a little bit dreaming, a little bit history lesson, but really it's the impact of this bloody virus. Brora Golf Club is in danger of closing, despite being one of the most esteemed links in all of Scotland, and one that Peter Thompson described as thus, and I am going to read, and I'll potentially read badly because my kids haven't taught me how to do it properly. One of my favourite links is Brora on the Moray Firth, where golfers share a precious piece of territory with a hundred or so woolly sheep. What could epitomise nature better than such a communion? I pray it will continue and last as long as the world. Brora Golf Clubs is in some crap. And really what they've done is they've put out a call for international members to say, if you want to join, you don't need to know a member. You don't need to have a proposal or a seconder. Write us a check for 305 squids, plus you've got to pay the Scottish Golf Association 18 squids, and you're a member, and you're a member of one of the great Lynx golf courses of all time. So that's my Brora. 
Now on to James Braid. So that was a little bit dreaming, a little bit history lesson. But if you look at Brora Golf Club, B-R-O-R-A, you'll see how outstanding this looks. Pure lengths, not a tree in sight. Um, amazing place. It sounds, sounds James very, Braid. Sounds very history cool, lesson. Phil. Sounds very cool. Now, Dav, I can see that you're very, very excited to listen to another one of my history lessons. So if you'd like to grab a pillow and a blanket, you can settle in. Because as I mentioned about James Braid and Brora Golf Club, I just wanted to speak a little bit about James Braid in light of Brora Golf Club and their situation and their plight and the fact that if anyone has a little bit of spare coin, they should probably go to Brora Golf Club, sign up and join as an international. But James Braid, the course designer, on top of designing Brora Golf Club, designed a little joint called Carnoustie. And he also designed some two other fabulous golf courses, the Kings and Queens at Glen Eagles. So he had a bit of a, a talent for designing golf courses. But from a playing point of view, as I mentioned, first player to win the Open Championship five times, uh, 01, 05, 06, 08, and in 1910. But here's a quote. He swung it with a divine fury and putted like a demon. Uh, James Braid made up the triumvirate, which was J.H. Taylor and Harry Varden at the time. He helped form the British PGA, and as a bit of a slap on the back and potentially an uber baron, he was regarded as a friend of princes, peers, and commoners. But the big difference with James Braid, and when he won the 1901 Open Championship, he used an aluminium-headed putter. He finished no worse than fifth in any other Open Championship, but when he finally broke through for a win, he used an aluminium putter. But interestingly, his opening drive, as per Rory last year, his opening drive was out of bounds when he was playing at Muirfield. But he went on to win the championship anyway. And in 1904, he became the first player in an open championship to break 70 in a round, which is absolutely unbelievable and more evidence that we should wind back distance because in 1904, a bloke was still able to break 70. Um, anyway, James Braid, history lesson. Wake up, Dav. Wake up, Jeff. Wake up, Damo. Over to you, boys. And with that, that brings this episode of our Tenuous Links podcast to a close. Thanks again to Dav and Phil for their thoughts today. Well, for your thought, Dav, it's certainly been a little bit different setup for <laughs> us all. Too. And, um, too. But we managed our way through. Be sure to check out our new golf show, Golf Baron Season 1, for free before it's put behind a paywall. It really is unlike any golf show you've seen before. And what better time to sit back and absorb the series than while stuck in self-isolation. Check it out at baronslife.com. Thanks again for listening, Barons. Until next time, lads. Au revoir. COVID. <laughs>